0: Welcome in, everyone, to the Hustle With Us podcast. You made it to another edition. Congratulations. We made I'm, it. We made it, baby. We're almost there. We're almost at the finish line. I don't even know where the finish line is, though. So, all right, here we are. We just got off the line with Mr. Paul Easton. He's a coach. He's a trainer. He is uh, the whole package. I'll tell you, he's got quite the story to tell us, doesn't he, Craig?
1: Yeah, Tristan. I thought... Um it was a great conversation with him. He's got a really exciting story talking about his childhood and how he uh, had really pivotal experiences that that uh, led him to where he is today. And and then also I thought it was cool that he got a little bit personal, told a story about his father, um, talked about his family life. You know, it lets us know that these trainers are are people. They're not just coaches. They're not just athletic trainers. They are, they're real people. And um, he tells us, about that. And, and he's got a really great story.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And he, he definitely delves deeper. He doesn't, he's, you can tell he, uh, he wears it on his, wears it on his sleeve. He's not going to, he's not going to hold back either in talking about his story or in talking about his training habits. His basketball IQ is really his forte. He's always trying to teach these kids or pros, whoever it is he's working with uh, everything that they need to know from soup to nuts. You know, his don't try to be cool attitude. He's not trying to go out there and, and teach them all the reverse pivots and this, that, and the other. He's trying to really teach them what you need to know, and he definitely dives deeper into that here with us here today. And, hey, real quick before we get to the interview, I just want to make sure everyone is scrolling down on your platforms. Definitely leave us us a rating, leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing here. And don't forget to check us out on all the social media outlets, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Just search Hustle With Us. All right. Subscribe. Subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. Mash it. All right. (laughs) Without further ado, let's get right to it. Mr. Paul Easton. Before we get to our interview, a quick word about the Hustle Sports Training app. If you're an athlete trying to improve your skills or a youth sports coach trying to develop your players with an effective training program, look no further than the Hustle app. Hustle is the simplest way to learn new sports skills. We partner with coaches and trainers at all levels to produce instructional videos and training plans that will help you to improve your fundamentals and master advanced techniques. Whether you're building out your practice plans or looking to improve your form, techniques, or fitness, Hustle has a training plan for you. Download our app in iTunes or the Google Play App Store by searching Hustle Training or visit our website at hustletraining.com. Get a leg up on your competition with Hustle. All right, here we go. All right. Welcome in, everyone. We got with us on the line, Mr. Paul Easton of Drills and Skills Basketball. Paul Easton Basketball, actually. He's on Instagram and YouTube. You can check him out at Drills and Skills B-Ball. Ch- search Paul Easton Basketball on Facebook and on Twitter. It's dskillsbball. Oh, and of course, he's got the website, iwantskills.com. How appropriate. Mr. Paul Easton, Paul, how are you doing tonight?
2: I'm great. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Um, delighted to be on. Thank you.
0: Absolutely, appreciate you taking the time here, and we are gonna get it rolling just right away. Let's just hear. Let's start. Let's start right there at square one with uh, with your story, there, Coach. Tell us how you got to where you're at now with Paul Easton Basketball, starting up your own business, your own uh, training platform here, and obviously garnering a huge following on social media. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you got here.
2: Yeah, sure. Delighted to. I um, I'm, I hail from Scotland. Um, I was born in Scotland, UK. Um, And I was there till I was 24 years old. And of course, we're not known for for basketball um, at all. (laughs) Uh, More golf, rugby, football, which you you guys call soccer. Uh, And we're not really good at any of those either. So, you know, I played a lot of sports growing up. And then when I was 13 years old, I visited Dallas, Texas um, to visit my aunt. And I remember I was in the backyard one night and there was a local local park there, and neighborhood kids were playing basketball. I had seen it before, but I didn't know how to play it. So I watched them play, and I just was in love with it. I loved the, the fast pace of the game. I loved you know, the kind of camaraderie, the high fives. you know. I loved the, the things they were doing. So they said, hey, you want to join in? I said, I don't know how to play. And I remember this one guy, and I, I wish to this day I'd kept in touch with him. He, sh- he showed me how to play. And once everyone left, he showed me how to do a layup, how to do a jump stop, how to do a you know, uh dribble through your legs. And after that, I just caught on like wildfire. I remember my aunt taking me to Walmart the next day, and I bought a black Michael Jordan basketball. <laughs> and I <laughs> I treasured that thing. I really did. And we had to de- deflated it to get back on the plane home. As soon as I got home, it was the first thing I did was pump that ball back up. I just, I was in love. So I, I found a local basketball club. Started playing in Scotland, very low level, loved it. Um, wasn't really a good player. I played for my under 16 national team. Um, I made like the very last um, cut. I got cut like when it was like, I think I was the 15th. There was 15 players left and I was the one that got cut and they kept 14. Hmm. Uh, I loved it. And then I quickly realized that coaching was my thing because I really enjoyed interacting with the younger players and I always had good leadership skills. So my coach uh, kind of pushed me towards coaching. And at first I said, man, he must think I'm not a really good player to ask me to coach at 18 years old. And he was right. <laughs> he was completely right. Um, so I started coaching, uh, fell in love with it, couldn't get enough of it. And by, within a year, I was coaching about three or four youth teams. Uh, worked in a bank. I was a bank teller. And I just I, I did an like associate's degree of college, like two years of college, took a full-time job in the bank. And I was, uh, I was coaching every night of the week almost and in the weekends, like every day but Sunday, I think. And one night I was coaching a game. And... Uh, I, I, the opposing coach said to me after the game, he said, Hey, that was a great game. You coach. It was a senior men's game. He said, I really enjoyed coaching against you. I said, Oh, thanks very much. And he said to me, what are you doing for the summer? And I asked kind of a, a vague question. And I said, um, I don't know. And he said, would you like to come to a camp with me to America? And I'm thinking I've never met this guy, but I'm like, <laughs> you." Hey, yeah. so he said, let's keep in touch. So we kept in touch. And it was so ironic because but the week before, I'm a big reader and I had read Morgan Wooten's Coaching Basketball Successfully. Mm. If you've never read that, it's like a Bible. It is just from a to, a to Z, just a Bible. So I'm reading it, the famous coach Morgan Wooten from DeMatha High School, mm-hmm. uh, High School Maryland. And I said, what's the name of the camp? And he said, it's Morgan Wooten's Basketball Camp. <laughs> and I said, oh my God, yeah, you know, I got tingles. So I said, I'm in. So, and I'm sorry for the long-winded story here, but it's really how I get to where I'm at. And he, so what happened was, um, my dad and I, I told him I want to go across for a month and I want to take unpaid leave from my job. And he said to me, well, son, you've got a good job in the bank. You don't want to risk that. And I said, no, I I want to risk it. So I said to my bank manager, he said, Paul, we're we're putting you on a fast track program to be a bank manager. If you go, you will have to forego this. And I was like, that's fine. I'm going to go to America. And he's like, you should really think twice about this. And my dad was like, no, you can't go. And my dad and I, we must have stayed up. He, he was a, 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 a blue collar guy. And he, he had to wake up at six in the morning. I think he left at six in the morning. And he woke up at like four thirty, five o'clock. And we must have stayed up to three o'clock in the morning, literally arguing of why I should go and why I should not go. And when I woke up in the morning, I wish I'd kept this note. He had left a note on my pillow for when I woke up. And he said, I'll never forget this. He said, who am I to tell you no? go follow your dreams and I wish to this day I'd kept that note and after he gave me that approval I was like screw it I'm going so I went in the next day told a manager hey take me off the course if you want I'm going to America (laughs) so went to America loved it met Morgan Wooten made great networks great relationships Um, when I was there I met a girl uh, an American girl and uh, we ended up uh, being together uh, for three years I started two and a half years and then I finally Made the move across America. We got married. And um, when I came across, I'd met good friends with Joe Wooten, who is Morgan Wooten's son, and he coaches at Bishop O'Connell High School. And I said, hey, I'm here in America. I would love to work for you. He said, great. So he had me as the freshman team assistant. And I, I came there. I didn't have a job. You know, I just moved across. I didn't have a car. I didn't have a bank account. Nothing. And uh, I was just kind of making my way. And that summer, I really made a good connection with a player there called Jason Clark, who was, we actually played at Georgetown, and he plays overseas pros now, and I still work with him to this day. And uh, we had a really good relationship. We were both very shy people at the time. And uh, we would get up shots in the morning, we would get shots up in the evening, we'd do workouts together, everything. So by the end of that summer, he said to me, look, I want you to be on the varsity with us. And I was like, oh, wow. So I was on the varsity, and uh, it just all took off from there. Like, I just started, like, I'd never seen anything as intense as the basketball in D.C. Uh, the WCAC, that conference with the Matha, Gonzaga, O'Connell, mm-hmm. Paul, these schools are nationally ranked every year. And for me, it was just the mecca. I mean, I was in love. We were doing recruiting. We were doing video editing. And I'll never forget... The video editing, nobody was doing the editing. back. This is way before Crossover and what's the other one that's popular? Huddle. Uh, this is way before them. Like we were actually cutting the tapes and stuff like that. So I started doing it, and I didn't have a clue what I was doing. But I was learning from the manual and the help desk and stuff like that. And what I didn't realize was I was watching the game. We would play the game. I would watch the game at night then I would edit the game, I'd edit individual clips, and then I would watch it again the next morning before I handed it to my coach. So I was watching one game four or five times, hmm. breaking it down slow-mos, patterns in offense, defense, and I was, all, I was a nerd, and I was pretty much learning the game, because I didn't know a lot of the stuff that the American coaches were talking about. Uh, I didn't even know what a flare screen was. So they were saying, oh, the flare screen, I'm thinking to myself, what the hell is a flare screen? <laughs> uh, so I started learning all this stuff and I really just became such an absolute nerd. I watched so much video and then I would grab players and say, Hey, let me show you what you're doing. Like you're, you know, you're leaning to the left on this show or defensively, you're not closing it all the way. And before I knew it, I was teaching myself. So I really propelled myself. Uh, I tried to be a college coach. I had a couple of interviews. I tried to get, I uh, was close to getting the one with Virginia tech. Um, I interviewed for American university in DC. I was very close to getting that and I didn't get any of them. I just couldn't get it. And I, um, I was very disappointed. That was my goal. It was my dream. So I said, you know what? I'm going to try and be a head high school coach. So I applied and I became a head high school coach of St. James High School in, in St. Hagerstown, Maryland. Uh, mm-hmm. It's way up there. And Tristan, you're from Maryland. You know that's way up mm-hmm. there. You know, the hillbilly country. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was a boarding school. So I was lucky enough to recruit players and bring them with me and uh we did really good in two years we did really really good uh we won our champ league championship and um within the finals of the other one did really well put three guys division one no four guys division one in the two years and did really well and um and then my wife and i decided to divorce and that was a, a stinger um as you can imagine so we divorced and it was just too tough with the day job traveling an hour and a half to st james the coaching and having two young children. So um, I quit basketball and uh, it was the first time in, in all my years that I had done so. Uh, I think I'd been like, you know, since I was 13 years old, 14 years old, and there I was, I think I was about 30 years old, so about you know 16 years. And I was like, this is it, it's over with. I gotta get a real job now, you know, and try and make some more money and support myself. And I had to move out and all that sort of stuff. And I really kind of hit rock bottom, to be honest. So a friend of mine said, hey, um, I got a kid that I train and I'm moving away. Could you train him? I said, look, I'm, I'm just mad at basketball right now. But like I feel like my dreams didn't come true and I've wasted so much time on basketball. He said, well, it pays. And I was like, how much? And he told me how much <laughs> it paid. So I was like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> so I trained this kid and I got on great with him. He played in a little house league. And within a month, his dad was saying, you're the, the top scorer. Like he's he, he's really soaking in what you're saying. He loves the attention that you're giving him. Like it's it's really good." So he said, "You okay? Is it okay to pass your number on to other people?" I was like, "Yeah, sure." Within a two months, I had forty clients. Wow. And kids were just coming everywhere, and this is kind of before the training phase took off, and I was loving it. It was just pure. It was just just training. There was no politics. There was no coaching. I was getting paid better than I was when I was a coach um, and I was enjoying my work, skill work development. It was great. And then one day um, my friend, I saw he posted something on, on Instagram and um, I had just got an Instagram account. So I said, I'm going to make a video. So I started posting videos and I had no idea what was doing. He still teases me to this day. I was using it like Facebook. I was posting all the time. And um, I, then what happened was I saw these other trainers doing so and I was looking at them and I was like, well, that's good like the, dribble, the the three dribbles behind the back, the spin move, the fast handles and, and the music playing in the background, but you're not really teaching anybody. So I was thinking, I think there's a niche here for me to teach someone. So what I did was I started making teaching videos and then I thought, how can I get this across more? And I, I remember watching something and it was, a, it was like a soccer thing and it was a voiceover. And I was like, I'm going to try a voiceover. So I did a voiceover and at first people would laugh and say, oh my goodness, like you sound like David Attenborough, you know, the guy that does the, documentaries on animals mm-hmm. Like here we see the, the lioness you know stuff like that and and then people would make fun of me because of my accent uh and at the time it was a little stronger and they'd make fun of me but i was like it's good that i'm getting the attention from it and i just kept doing it and then one of my pros jason clark and his friends actually quinn cook as well um they saw the fact that i was um training and they're like, oh are you a trainer now and i was like yeah i guess i am so they said, hey, can we come in? Can we bring some of our friends? I'm like, absolutely. And then I had all these pros. And I'll never forget, one Saturday morning, I posted a video um, of just a simple between the legs move, and I really broke it down in slow motion. And Instagram, just it just blew up. I think I went from something like 2,000 followers to like 8,000 followers in a weekend.
0: Yeah, they call that viral, definitely. Right, yeah. And I was
2: like, <laughs> I was like wow. And then it kind of came to a stop uh, around like, 20,000 for a long time because a lot of other people were doing it mm-hmm. and I was trying to I kind of went in a weird phase I, I tried to be like all the other guys like I really did and I, I lost sight of things like I was really trying to be cool and the thing is like I think it's like self-awareness I'm not really a cool guy like that's, <laughs> yeah, I'm not a cool guy I mean I think I'm fairly intelligent like I'm, I'm kind of funny like I'm a good father but I'm not cool so I said, well, I'm just going to be who I am. So I stopped kind of doing that. And I just focused on just teaching. And it was like jump stops, reverse pivots, um, you know, simple stuff like how to use a ball screen, like how to step into your jump shot. And people just loved it. And it was amazing that people wanted the kind of fundamental side of it. And I think I almost carved a different niche for myself back then. And the followers just grew and grew and grew. And it was amazing. And I'm so proud. I've never paid for a follower. I've never paid for advertisements. I've never you know, done any of that sort of stuff. And, it, and I realize people do that and it can be good for your business. I've just always thrived on being a purist of the game. Wow.
0: That is, that is quite the story. I mean, that's the podcast right there. That's the whole episode. I mean, we heard, we heard it all. I mean, start off, you go off from, I mean, coming from overseas and, and then you come over here, you teach yourself basketball, all of a sudden it kicks you down the road years later. And then you bounce right back with the, you know, the coming on of social media and everything like that. Now, how, how do you balance it all today? Where do you, where do you go from here? Is it still, are you still trying to just, work that fundamental lane what is your what's your tactic and sort in sort of with the social media now is it still that niche
2: I think so um, I do realize that you know it, it's harder to grow social media wise I think the training market my personal opinion has become saturated I feel like so many people are doing it some are copycats some are just really really good uh, there's a lot of good stuff out there so I think for people they don't, they don't really gravitate towards who's always the best. I think it's always kind of like what's the most common or most popular. But for me, I think I just have to write it out. I think that I know that teaching the basics and still learning along the way is what's right about the game. And I do think, like, pure skill will come back in fashion. Um, you know, I, I, I see guys now like to teach a lot of these moves. And I still look at it and I say, that's a great move for Kyrie Irving. That's a great move for James Harden. But your 12-year-old whose whose parents are paying you money to teach them basketball and improve their confidence, improve their skill level, they can't execute that. And I remember a long time ago when I first started, I was doing a lot of fancy stuff, tennis balls, like, like four different counters to each move. I used to go and watch my players play. And I remember watching one kid play. He touched the ball three times in the game. He missed the layup. He missed the jump shot, and he got blocked. And I'm teaching this guy euros, step backs, reverse pivots and spins. I'm wasting his money. I'm wasting his money. So after that, that really hit me hard and I felt guilty. So what, what we did was we worked on coming, coming off screens, catch and shoot, pump fake, one down and shoot. And w- when people see my stuff on Instagram, obviously we post a little bit the flash. That's 1% of the, of the workout. Like I've worked, I've worked uh, four pros and two college guys today and each person shot 100 threes. Each person shot a hundred curls into a mid range. Each person did a catch and rip a hundred times. That's boring. Like, that's really boring, but that's what we do. And I believe that will come back in fashion.
1: No, it's awesome. So you mentioned um, uh, quite a bit about your Instagram page and, and the amount of followers that so just wanted to mention you've got, you know, two hundred fifty thousand followers right now, yeah. um, and growing. So that's that's pretty awesome. How you know you? I know that you're sharing just a tiny fraction of what you're doing on Instagram. But how do you get the message across in just like you know a forty-five second, sixty-second clip?
2: I, I think it's just picking one skill. Like for example, um, I've been doing a lot of ball screen stuff lately. So just say we say the read's going to be. um slipping the screen um or splitting the screen so what would what i like to do is show it live and then talk so slow it down in slow motion and show how you make the read and when you make the read and why you make the read so i I think making things as basic as possible is the easiest way that's what i think and i think you can kind of monitor from there what the engagement is like and if you want more then you can expand on it I think sometimes I get kind of revved up sometimes and I try and do too much and it becomes a little bit too confusing.
1: Yeah, no, I gotcha. you. So within your um, training activity and your training uh, business, would you say that you have a particular specialty that people come to you for expecting that you can deliver on this particular specialty?
2: Honestly, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. Honestly, no. And I've always said I admire the guys who are really good and just focus on balling them, or the guys who really focus on just shooting. Because I believe, like, being a specialist is really important. For me, I think for me, it's overall – I think it's probably basketball IQ. Like, when I teach, I, like, I explain almost everything. Like, I speak to the, the pro and college guys like I do in middle scores. I, I, I talk the exact same way. They just ask more questions, which is good but I'll break everything That I don't want any misunderstandings or any confusion. I just break it down. So I think if I've got anything, especially, it's probably just the way I break things down in basketball IQ.
1: Okay. Yeah, you had mentioned um, working across different skill levels and age groups. Um, at Hustle here, we we find ourselves with a lot of youth players, youth coaches. Um, how do you adjust your strategy down from, you know, you spend a lot of time with the pros How do you then um, kind of translate uh, your um, areas, your focus areas for youth players?
2: It's tough. I used to struggle with it Um, at first. I used to really struggle with it because you're working with a pro guy and you're all kind of, you know, you're you're revved up, you're juiced up, it's great. You know, he's he's doing every drill to perfection. Um, And then you go to a a player who's struggling to shoot a left-hand layup or struggling to you know, you've told them a million times to hold or follow through and they don't, it becomes frustrating. But I think now what I do is, with the youth players, really, really focus on having them walk away and learning one or two points. So if we do an hour session, I'll talk to them afterwards and say, what two things did we focus the most on today? And they'll say, and I'll say, tell me about them so I can get some feedback. So I really slow it down for them because I want them to make sure they get it. With the pro guys, a lot of those guys want more of a, not so much of a skill workout. They want an actual workout. They want to get some game time reps up, game related stuff and go hard for 40, 45 minutes. So I think it's just kind of mental preparing before you go into it.
0: Got it. Yeah. So, so again, I'm I'm still going back to your story here. Obviously it take it took a while. It took longer than you'd like for you to get to where you're at now. I wanna know, and just to put it into perspective, how long you really have to dedicate yourself to the game to make yourself a master of it, how long do you typically work with a client? How many lessons? Is it years? Is it months? Is it four lessons and they're out of there? And you know, how long maybe is your longest tenured client right now?
2: Great question. Um I, I think that the longest client right now would probably be I don't know if you guys see ever see on Instagram. I use a kid called Chris Kazemka, who we actually train in a barn. Um, he um, his house. They actually they had a barn on the property. And yeah, I've seen that basketball court. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. Um, we trained there, and it's it's crazy how I met him. I did a clinic once. Um, this is when I first started. I, when I first started, I had like all these forty clients, and I kind of thought, hey, I've made I've made it. <laughs> and I advertise in a different town. And I, said, I want to clean up in this town. Like, I'm from here. Like, that's where I stay right now. I want to work. And I advertised. I hired coaches. I bought the gym. I, I bought the big blocking pads. And um, we, 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 we did it. And only one person showed up. <laughs> um, and it was, it was Chris. And I didn't know him and they just, they just saw my flyer on Facebook or something. And uh, they, came, they came and I worked him out for three hours because it was just him. So I sent all my coaches home and I started to pay them something. And I probably was like 500 down in the hole. And I was like, oh man, this sucks. And the dad said to me, hey, you know, we should work out again. I have a barn. And I'm thinking, dude, I just lost 500 bucks. What are you talking about? barn?" <laughs> you know, and uh, so like a week later, he calls me. I'm like, who's this? He's like, you worked out right my son. I said, like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I came over to the barn, and I'm like, oh my goodness. And from that client, he probably put me on to three or four youth teams that I've trained. Uh, He put me on to an association of house teams that I I work with. Uh, I train them. Chris has brought me tons of teammates, and I still work with Chris. Um, And it just goes to show you that I think the right people find you and Chris, I mean, Chris is now a sophomore. He's starting to get Division One loops, which is good. He's going up to these elite camps. And before he was this tiny little fifth grader who had good handles. Um, and it just—it's been great to watch the evolution of him. It really has. Um, but I think your original question, in terms of clients, most of my clients have been with me for a long time, and that's what I prefer. I would prefer to have a smaller group and have them long term than a whole bunch um and only seeing them like once every month because i think that to, to be to really get development you have to see them consistently like i like to see at least clients at least twice a week
0: right yeah no that's definitely a good point we're talking with paul easton here of drills and skills basketball paul easton basketball formerly drills and skills i should say so let's get right into those drills and skills what are uh, what are your, some of your favorite drills that you like to use for your for your for your athletes
2: um, I love, I love reading and react. Uh, I love reading and react. So what I'll do is like, well, first of all, I love to build up a skill. So let's say we're teaching the in and out dribble, which is my favorite. Um, stationary position working on the balance, the, the the shift in the weight, the hand movement, the foot movement. Then we'll do it against a stationary defender, so we're learning how to go past that player and pointing out the key things like staying low. Your shoulder should be lower than the defender's. Close the gap. Make sure you hesitate. And then after that, we'll show a counter move if the defender jumps and takes that away, which is a crossover. Then we'll do it against a cone in transition. And then after that, we get to my favorite part, which is reading and react where they've got to come down and if i yell out one they have to make an in and out to a pull up if i yell two they've got to make an in and out to a counter move to a pull up on another side and i'm getting them to react to what i'm doing or i may yell out a color um and i do the same with shooting as well i have the five spots on the floor top wing corner wing corner and i'll yell it out and they have to get there and set their feet before the ball comes so i'm big on having them think while they're tired
1: yeah, it goes back to what you had mentioned before, um, developing that mental game. What about um, pro players? You know, what's a, a drill or, or so that you find is especially effective with them?
2: I usually speak to them and I ask them what do they want to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of the guys coming across from Europe all say the ball screen. That's a big thing. The ball screen's huge in Europe. I mean, it's huge here too. So we do a lot of ball screen work with those guys. And I'll, I'll say to those guys, where do you get your shots from? Like, are you, are you curling from the corner? Are you flashing to the top? And wherever they give me, we'll work on stuff like that. So I try and tailor the workouts to the program. That's what I usually try and do.
0: So, Paul, I think you've, you've pretty much talked us through all the, all the favorite drills, all the favorite exercises, and what you like to put your athletes through, depending on what level they're actually at. Let's talk a little bit about technology in sports. Where, how much do you utilize technology today? And where do you see the future of technology and training going?
2: I, I think we're it's going to be an all-time high. I think there's there's a I think there's a lot of money to be made in sport sports tech. If you want to call it that? Um, and I think um, like for example, I was in the gym the other day, and this guy just came up to me and he said, "Hey, um, are you a trainer?" I said, "I like to say coach," but I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I train." And he says to me, "Have you heard of this this app?" And I, I forget the name of it. And uh, he showed me it, and he showed me a video of him taking shots, and it was counting how many misses and makes he had, and it the the, the feet he was from the basket, the distance. And also the trajectory on the ball and I'm like holy crap just from your phone and I just think that we're seeing so many of these these great new apps even for reaction drills as well and I, I think it's so good and I think it I think it is the future uh, everyone's on their phones all the time they bring them to the gym man um, I know guys have said to me they said hey I, um, I, I watch um, I watch your I go to the gym and I play your videos on my phone and I imitate the drills so I think that is the way forward I really do I think apps and I have an online workout program that I I've made for one for coaches and one for players. Um, and i I sell that and it, do, it does pretty well.
0: Wow. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely can see you uh, taking over that online space. Obviously you were super dedicated to your craft and whether you fell into the training spot or you're destined for it all along that, that, you know, leave, leave in the eye of the beholder, but what uh, advice do you have for aspiring trainers out there?
2: I think, first of all, whatever you're good at, emphasize that with your players. Um, Don't try and, you know, don't just do what's cool. Do what works, what worked for you or what you know works or what what you've coached that works. And coach and teach that to your players. I always tell everybody, quality over quantity. If you can work two or three clients out, start with them and really get them better, the best advertising there is, is word of mouth. Because the parents don't care how many likes you have on Instagram. Be hmm. there where the other parents are saying to them, "Oh, hey, little Johnny works with Coach Paul or Coach Joe Craig, whatever, and he's really good with them. You know, he's helped them with his jump shot. He's helped them be more confident, and that's what gets them going. Because obviously, the players have to like it, but the parents are the ones who pay the money. So I think word of mouth is always the best. So for aspiring trainers, give great quality work, and the quantity will come.
0: Got it." Coach, appreciate your time here tonight. Again, we're talking with Paul Easton, Paul Easton Basketball. You can see him on Instagram and YouTube like he's talked about all night here. Drills and Skills B-Ball. It's Paul Easton Basketball on Facebook and D Skills B-Ball on Twitter. He's also got his website, IwantSkills.com. Now, real quick, Coach, we're going to get into a rapid fire round. We're going to throw some questions at you. You just fire back with whatever comes to your mind first. Are right, you ready? Okay, got it. All right, let's start off easy. Favorite sports movie of all time?
2: A white man can't jump.
1: Yeah, that's a good one for sure. Um, besides your channel, are there any YouTube channels you like to check out for coaching tips?
2: Uh, not so much for tips, but I love Deb Williams' 10,000 Hours.
0: Okay, got it. You need to check that one out. All right, so you just got through with uh, training some of your closest clients. It was a long three-hour training session. It's getting to, the, getting to burn the midnight oil. What's the best post-workout meal?
2: Oh, For me or the players? you for me <laughs> uh, i probably should answer that one <laughs> uh, i honestly i usually uh, <laughs> toast an egg i usually make an egg sandwich for myself when i come in <laughs> nice
1: um i got one who is the coach across to any sport uh that you admire the most
2: oh wow um pr- probably phil jackson i love mm-hmm. his books i love his books
0: Got it. All right. Why well, I might have an easy one for you here? MJ or LeBron?
2: Oh, MJ all day. <laughs> How did I know? How like, did I know? <laughs>
0: Started off
1: with that basketball.
2: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> ever since, ever since that black deflated basketball, that was uh, that was that's, Walmart, all, that, that's all she wrote. Twenty
2: bucks at Walmart, best twenty bucks ever spent.
0: Ooh, yeah, I'd say <laughs> so too. I'd say it definitely panned out for you as well coach appreciate your time here again tonight um really appreciate you uh you know doing what you do and dedicating your time here 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 at hustle you know we're all about advancing the youth of america and certainly teaching them the fundamentals which obviously it seems like you've got that in your in your back pocket as well so thank you again for the time and i'm sure we'll be in touch down the line
2: awesome thank you guys so much for what you do really appreciate it